0: hello everyone welcome to you me them everybody my name is brandon weatherby this episode with caitlin mcdevitt is because caitlin was part of our february 29th 2020 live show 12 hour live show at the wonderland ballroom unfortunately it was our last live show of 2020 due to the global pandemic so what i've been doing throughout the month of march is catching up with everyone that was part of that show uh caitlin has had an interesting year and um I'm glad I talked to her this episode. Oh, I learned a new term in this episode, a K-O-A. Well, it's an acronym. I learned what K-O-A stands for in this ter- in this episode. If you want to learn what K-O-A stands for, uh, keep listening. It's It probably is useful if you're listening to this show. Also, there's some stories about meth. And now, be, I'm not addicted to meth. I just want to make that clear. And if I was addicted to meth, that's none of your business. But now we have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at you, me, them, everybody dot com it's in this podcast description and it's on our about page and i promise you dear listener i will spend zero of those dollars on methamphetamines have you moved since i've seen you last
1: no i'm still in dc living it up
0: are are you glad you're in (laughs) dc uh
1: sometimes i have to ask myself that a lot but yes i am happy to be here
0: let's go over that now over the last year where have you thought you where where have you wished you were instead of dc
1: um, well, I spent some time back with my folks uh, a little bit over the summer back in Idaho. And you can get trapped in thinking that everything's a little bit more normal when you live. Uh, I lived in Idaho. I, I live just outside of the city. So a lot of big skies and, you know, you don't have to wear a mask in your own backyard and that kind of thing.
0: You don't have to, you don't have to wear a mask everywhere. You don't have to wear a mask here in a major city. We just choose to. I feel like yes. I don't <laughs> I know guess, if this uh, is a, a feeling or reality, but it seems that DC is more cautious than most American cities.
1: I think that's definitely a feeling. Like I'll go for a walk, and like you're not required to wear a mask if you're like going for a run or something. But uh, I'll I'll usually bring one just cuz it's more likely I am going to run into people around here.
0: And that makes me happier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. What would you do? Mind it,
0: what but, would you, you do know. in Idaho if you lived in Idaho today?
1: Uh like for fun or or for
0: Let's do both. Do you think you do do you think you would do stand up?
1: Probably not. Uh the stand up scene is a lot less uh advanced. So there's like one club it closed, down, <laughs> it closed down over quarantine, and then uh, I think a new one has popped up. And there's a couple of mics, but it's it's pretty pared down. Um, they do a comedy festival. It's called the 208, which is our area code back in Idaho, comedy festival. But apart from that, it's, it's a pretty small scene. I probably, if I had stayed, I wouldn't have gotten into it. And if I moved back, it probably would be a lot less of my life.
0: Yeah. Are you worried that it's going to be a lot less of your life or do you feel that uh, we're on the cusp of a big boom of live stuff and the, the scene, what you do is going to be more popular than ever?
1: I don't know. I think it'll, it'll really depend on, on like attitude. So like I run a production company with Jenny Questel called The Living Room Show and we were putting on stuff in the fall. And it was kind of wild how cold and late people were willing to sit outside, yeah. you know, for a bit of laughs, <laughs> which um, was like comforting. It's it's a nice idea that these people that I wouldn't have been able to like bark in, you know, a year and a half ago to come and sit inside were now like, yes, please let me sit in your lawn. Someone make a joke about dating for the love of God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the, the pre-COVID material is working just fine.
1: Um, my stuff is definitely because I think before I was really in a like setup punchline format, but now because I have to rely so much on just writing alone in my room and then trying it out on stage, it's become very introspective. I feel like I'm not even writing jokes in the past couple of weeks. It's just been mining different childhood, like not traumas, but like baby upsetting moments. (laughs)
0: Did you say baby yeah. upsetting moments?
1: Yeah, like they're they're like small upsetting moments. Oh, okay. I mean I was a kid. I don't remember being a baby.
0: That's what I-, I was wondering. You could do you know who Margot Kidder is or was?
1: Uh the name sounds very familiar.
0: She's a famous actress. She was unfortunately maybe not unfortunately, she was most well known as the original Lois Lane from the nineteen like seventy six Yes. She couldn't forget anything.
1: That sounds horrible.
0: Uh, so that's what I mean. Like you might've had her curse slash blessing. Yeah. It does sound horrible, but she can remember anyways. Um, I am, I'm so interested if that's going to be the style, if, if we're going to be mining recent nostalgia and less set up punchline, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either.
1: No, I don't think it's bad. It's just, it's definitely different. And I think also because like, I, I'm not, as established as, as other comedians. So, like, I haven't fully found my own voice. So, it's fine that things are shifting around. Like, it doesn't mean that all of comedy is changing. It just means oh, sure. that I want to talk more about being seven than I used to.
0: <laughs> I'm, I do think that this will be a wonderful, <laughs> not, I'm, I'm saying wonderful during a horrible time, but it, it if people are going to actually have been introspective over the last year, or if some people will just hold on to who their past identity was and, and refuse to refuse to acknowledge what they could be. Does this make sense?
1: Yes. I do think people, at least most of the people in my life have taken a step back to figure out what they like, um, and like the kind of person they are. And, and I've always tried to like spend time on that, but now I have actual time to sit around and, and think and,
0: are you glad that you have time to sit around and think
1: in some ways? Yes. I think comedy for some people was definitely the thing that was creating a lot of toxic, toxic energy in their life. And for me that that wasn't the case. Like comedy was definitely uh, a healthy coping mechanism. And, you know, uh, I do miss having that kind of outlet. Um, But it is, it is nice. Sometimes I miss it a lot. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, it's, we're recording this on Friday, March 19th, uh, within a month, we will regularly be able to spend hours outside and it won't be freezing. Um, do you have any desire to perform inside again, or are you more excited to maintain what you were doing, uh, with the outdoor shows?
1: Uh, we're definitely going to keep the outdoor shows. I think I'm ready for. The world in which we're performing inside, I don't really think we're going to be there probably for a little while. Um, I know that we're talking about vaccine rollout, but uh, I think it'll probably be a little bit longer before everybody feels super cool inside.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, could you name one person that you've done a show with that you think is actually not necessarily better during COVID? but has taken this opportunity to make themselves into a better performer or a different performer or a a more interesting performer? Uh,
1: I think a lot of comedians have been doing a really good job. I can't, I'm struggling to come up with names because I I haven't been doing anything for the past couple of months. You know, like Winter really shut me down and if it didn't happen in the past week, it just sort of didn't happen. Is
0: that how you've been living recently? (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's just been a lot of time blindness. Um, but I think a lot of the comedians that I saw go up in the fall were, you know, really trying and, and trying out new things. And um, and there are people who who weren't going up and, and still working really hard. You know, like Jenny Cavallaro does a Zoom show, and I would log in and watch that sometimes and, and was really impressed by a lot of those people.
0: I just spoke with Jenny, and... I had an idea that I'm interested to know what you think of this. The Zoom show idea is especially good because you're able to get certain levels of comedians that, like, aren't in D.C., right? So right. I I wouldn't be shocked if D.C. opens a little bit before L.A. opens in terms of stand-up. So you can get relatively bigger names and, and do a mixed in-person show meets Zoom show. Do you think that would work?
1: I don't know. I do know that a lot of other like artist spaces are thinking about things like that, like theater productions Mm -hmm. having a like streamed section. And I do think, I do think that that's a positive. I think in the long run it is more inclusive and you reach more people. Um, And while it changes the formatting, I think, you know, like we're seeing a lot of these bigger comedians record like half in person shows and then they like release them very fast and i think that that's you know in the long term as we like arc back towards life before i think it's a good idea to have you know like more online resources
0: yeah where are you in dc where do you live the neighborhood not uh, the street live, not the address
1: no no good i live uh in southeast near the near the river
0: uh how long have you lived there
1: Uh, I've lived in this house for like four years.
0: Perfect. So how has the area changed in the four years? Specifically, how has it changed in the last year?
1: Um, Well, in the last year, my next-door neighbor got a kid and a dog, so it's loud. Uh, (laughs) um, I
0: could tell that you don't have a kid because uh, you said they got a kid.
1: Yes. Yes. well, they, they, sorry, they adopted a very beautiful, small child.
0: Uh, sure. But either way, you still wouldn't, I mean, maybe you would. I don't know. <laughs> Got a kid. That's uh. go ahead, please.
1: Uh, well, I think my neighborhood hasn't changed that much in the last year. Well, I guess they, um, so when I first moved in, across the street was like a New York pizza parking lot, Um that I don't, I never saw anyone go in. Uh, and then over the last couple of years, they've torn that down and turned it into like a multiplex thing. Uh, and that opened in the middle of um, the last year. So parking's a lot more confusing. That's <laughs> a very mundane answer, but that's sure, sure,
0: sure. really uh, what's
1: the only thing that's changed.
0: Why are you in DC?
1: Uh, I'm in DC because I, um, I got the politic bug in college, and I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be in the thick of it. So, I figured I could always go to law school later, or I could do anything later. You could really only be 22 and living on your friend's couch, running coffee for congressmen, uh, in your early 20s. So, (laughs) I came out here to to figure it out. And then I got here and um, I had this personality that didn't exist anywhere else because I was only interacting with Capitol Hill guys in the same boat shoes. And I was like, oh my God, am I like interesting? And then I um, I started doing comedy, uh, which I don't think I would have done if I had gone into a different field with more interesting and vibrant people. <laughs>
0: Are you happy you're in D.C.? Uh,
1: yeah, I am. I think I grew up a lot here in ways I, I didn't expect. And when I first lived here, uh, I lived with my best friends. And that really, like, teaches you a lot and lets you grow up in, um, in, like, a safe place where everything stumbling is hilarious. We used to joke about they were writing a sitcom about our lives because we all work together and we live together and we, like, bounce checks and extremed couponed and.
0: <laughs> and now you live with strangers and people next door get kids.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. I don't live with a stranger anymore. I live with um, a room a roommate who became a great friend. But.
0: Do you still have the political bug?
1: I do. I still work um, sort of like vaguely in the scheme of politics. Uh, sometimes I feel like pivoting out, and sometimes I want to dive in. Just kind of—it's never a great time.
0: <laughs> were you, were you on the hill on January sixth?
1: Uh, no, luckily I was uh, out of the city. Um, my roommate was in the Capitol. She got put in a in an office and told to lay in wait. Um, and I like had emailed a guy that morning, a friend, about a resume, and he like emailed me back at four. And I was like, "Oh my God, Harry! Like you do not have to be like <laughs> responding to my email right now. Like I obviously sent that before I knew what today was going to turn into. You don't have to look at this resume.
0: Um, did but he did look at the resume. What was the feedback on the yeah. resume? Uh,
1: he thought I should move some paragraphs around. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, it was very helpful.
0: That's it. <laughs> uh, I read that situation incorrectly because earlier that week, um. My friend, who's a federal journalist, stopped by, and he's like, "It's gonna be really bad." I was like, "Whatever, <laughs> it's not." What day? There's a lot of talk all the time. Whatever. And um, whilst it was happening, I was in the basement recording with people, and didn't have the radio or TV on, or obviously, and the only program is was on is was the audio program. And um, for like three hours, I really didn't know what was going on. And then my kid woke up from a nap, and so I don't turn on the TV or anything like that. And I tried to watch the Bowser update. To like know what was going on in terms of like what was going to be shut down for traffic, but he the kid was being a kid, so I couldn't really focus on that. So it took like roughly two days to really understand the scope of what had happened. So um in a weird way not in a weird way, uh it, it was like when 9-11 happened. And if you only heard about that one plane in Pennsylvania going down.
1: Yeah. Uh so my old office was right next to um the DNC and the RNC with mm-hmm. the pipe bomb. So, like, I got an email pretty early on from work uh, about the situation and and how intense things were getting. Um, but it was it was really uh, upsetting watching it unfold yeah. on Twitter and having everyone I haven't talked to in years just like reach out and be like, mm-hmm. "Are you at work today? Like, are you alive?" Yeah, <laughs> um, which was uh, not what I expected to do on a Wednesday. So, I were you we were in Idaho Wednesday. at the time? boring procedural vote. Uh, yes, I okay. was in Idaho. Um, my mom had had jaw surgery and my grandparents had just moved in with them. So I was, uh, sticking around to get everyone settled in.
0: I'm assuming they were happy that you were with them and not here.
1: Yes. Uh, but they would love it if I moved home. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure my mom is listening to this. So. <laughs> Hi, mom.
0: Uh, you you were here, you've been working in and around the hill. Um, it still seems both unbelievable and incredibly like obvious that that all happened. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. I mean, this is, and my roommate used to turn off the uh, Alexa every time I talked about this. When I interned on the hill, I saw like how terrifyingly easy it was to oh, sneak yeah. things into the Capitol building. Like if you have a badge and you're holding a food container. You are just waved through, and it's mm-hmm. like I didn't pass a background check to be an intern. But it's I also just show
0: up work one it's day. also silly because it, there's so much theater. Because if you don't have that badge, if you're just a visitor, you will be harassed for nothing.
1: They will take out a nail file and be like, "You're attempting to kill someone." Yeah. And then meanwhile, like members do not walk through the rec- through the like the mags.
0: I'm interested okay. to know if any of this will change.
1: So some of it has changed. They've really enforced the MAG policy for members on the floor, which has caused a lot of like kerfuffle. Um, But I mean, ultimately, no, it probably won't change. There'll be a short term people get upset. And then, uh, because I mean, a lot of the security came after, you know, someone brought a gun onto the floor in a camera. And that's why like you go through a lot of security screenings, um, uh, and those Capitol police officers were killed back then. Uh, so it, it, we do a lot of theater. And then some of this is after like um, after 9-11 and, and TSA and Homeland Security and everything set these parameters. But, you know, like the Capitol building is both very secure and it is also just an office building.
0: Yeah. Do you feel safe going back?
1: Uh, I I do. I'm I'm glad the fences are coming down. I think... The problem long term is not that people broke into the Capitol building. It's that they felt that that was a logical choice Yeah, in, in their plan to l- liberate America from the tyranny of due process.
0: Do you think it, this is sort of a pointless hypothetical, but like, I don't, I guess it's more of a, yeah, I don't see this happening again because it. it when you have a cult of personality, you sort of need the the, the personality, and it, it seems to be gone right now. Or am I just too hopeful because things? Have I think been you're a little very different.
1: hopeful. Okay. Uh, I think a cult of personality can appear over any personality, and like any fringe group, can rally behind a new idea. Um, you know, like QAnon and those kind of groups. They don't really need one specific person. To say, hey, we should go do this today. Like, they definitely operate in their own, like, concentric circles.
0: I don't know if this
1: specific breaking into the Capitol building and murdering several people will happen again, but I think, you know, we always have to be scared and alert and aware of, you know, like radical groups doing, you know, like terrorist (laughs) actions and feeling comfortable and like righteous in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, maybe it's because none of, maybe it's my age. We're a little bit further apart, and maybe it's because I'm a cisgendered straight white man that like, yeah, this doesn't seem crazy to me. This is like, oh yeah, I've I've I went to Catholic school my entire life. All of this was it wasn't predetermined, but like nothing is shocking over the last ever. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm not saying
0: it's good. I I, want to make that clear. I'm not like yay this. It's just like it, it make I could see I could see the through line is all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think really what fell down on the 6th was the chain of command and whether or not, you know, the rest of the troops were allowed to be called in. Like, it's not like we don't have systems in place. It's the systems weren't followed.
0: So once again, are you glad you're in D.C.? <laughs> uh,
1: I am, because D.C. is more than just the Capitol building, and yeah. it's more than just Capitol Hill. Like, DC is a whole culture all in of itself. And like, I'm glad that I get to be a part of a small part of that.
0: I do believe that we're in a way better place in terms of vaccines and COVID being in Washington, DC than pretty much any other Eastern seaboard city.
1: Yeah. uh, I do know that like back in Idaho, we're rolling out vaccines pretty fast. Um, My mom was trying to get me to come home to get a vaccine. And I was like, I am eligible at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's worth getting on a flight.
1: Uh maybe.
0: <laughs> Have you taken the drive to Idaho?
1: You can. It's it's only like 5 days.
0: <laughs> I can't tell if you're making a joke.
1: I'm um, uh I drove so I bought a car in June and I drove it from from Boise to out here.
0: And, you and it was that, a very
1: leisurely 5 day.
0: You trip. did that because of safety reasons or because you're just like I got the time, why did you drive?
1: Uh, well, I, I wanted a car and I like needed a push to get it and it turns out that COVID was the push to get a car. Yeah. Her name is Agnes. <laughs> She's a 2017 Red Kia Soul. Her previous owner died and he left me his glasses. Unintentionally. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> unintentionally in the car. Um, and uh, my one of my best friends was out in Idaho at the time and it was 4th of July weekend. And so we got in the car and we drove to KOA in Wyoming. And I did my first stand up since the lockdown for the house majority leader and his family who run the KOA out there. Um, well,
0: really quick. What's a KOA?
1: A KOA is a campgrounds of America. For some reason spelled with a K. Uh, it is a, it's a very like Midwest thing, I think, but it's uh, basically an organization that you like pay a membership to, and then you can camp there and they're usually near any sort of national park. So this, um, this part of Wyoming is called devil's tower. It's uh, basically a rock formation that uh, is very tall. and has very like straight cylindrical sides.
0: This sounds amazing.
1: Even Spielberg movie that was there shot there. I think that was the sign. Not maybe not the science. I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't remember, but that's what a KOA is. They typically like will have an exchange program. And so like people from other countries will like do like a study abroad trip and they'll like work at the KOA and then like get to explore American culture or whatever. But they had shut that down. So they had these cabins. That we stayed in.
0: So that's where you performed for the first time during COVID outdoors yes. for it went McCarthy?
1: Up after the fourth of July. No, 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 for, sorry, the state
0: state. The okay. Wyoming. Got it.
1: Okay. Uh and I was um, Kevin
0: McCarthy went from California or DC. I mean too. I don't
1: Wyoming is a wild place. Yeah. I met a man who had all of his teeth surgically removed and replaced with someone else's teeth because he was on the run from the federal government for he kept calling it, it was basically Red Bull, but he was selling methamphetamines.
0: <laughs> so do you believe, <laughs> do you believe
1: the am in the seventies, but then he started moving weed and the feds found out about it and he like skipped bail by, cause there was a blizzard and then he ended up in New Mexico or in Mexico, like with the cartels and like he just spent 17 years on the run. And then he was like kidnapped because they like put a bounty on his head. And he was just like standing there. He like gave me a book. He was just like, yeah, I just live here.
0: Okay. So what what of that story do you believe?
1: All of it. I've read the book. I looked it up. It is real. He is a real person who did all of those things. He looks like a guy who sold methamphetamines.
0: Who wrote the book?
1: Uh, He wrote most of it while he was in prison he like, negotiated a term with the feds when he was captured where he like served 10 years. Um, and then it was like heavily edited by um, a publishing firm. And then some uh, movie producer tried to talk him into it, but they wanted to write him as morally ambiguous. And he refused because he was like, I was a good person. People offered to kill people for me all the time and I never took them up on it.
0: You, Me, Them, Everybody is made by me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at you, me, them, If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes, the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you, me, them, everybody.com. Dot com. Our Patreon page is on our About page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, at sign YMTE. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping. Friends and family I'll be keeping. Won't.